Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dosh, Rinko Levers. Hey everybody, welcome back to Wrong and Wronger. I am Steve, bathed in the light of the heavens, Olivas, and he is James, shrouded in the darkness of despair, Breakwell saying welcome back welcome back we have an unprecedented run of consecutive shows james and we're overdue to skip what what do we need to do to make that happen literally any technical difficulty my backup phone isn't working right now so one glitch oh. here and i get to send you one of those fun text messages to say hey remember when we made our best episode ever well it's gone for <laughs> just disappeared into the ether will never be heard by anyone ever again Ah, well, I like your optimism. It is unbridled and enthusiastic that this could potentially be our best episode ever. How ironic would it be if this one actually does disappear and actually no one hears me say those words? I'm still bitter. I'm still bitter that the one the one about the, the dirty greeting cards and all your all the parts of your backstory that had somehow never come up before, the only part of your life that was interesting in any way, that was an episode that disappeared. It was that one and like the next one. It was like two in a row. And somehow we didn't just give up and curl in a ball. Somehow we continued to come back here and waste our time making no content that even when when it makes it on the internet, no one hears. Wow. Remember when I said unbridled and enthusiastic? I take it all back. <laughs> oh, you Wow, don't. we descend back into despair. Yes. You uh, you well, missed me. I know it. I can, he I can hear it in what? your voice that you secretly what? are delighted to be here because you are here with me. And I know that now that you've taken my massive picture down from your bathroom, there's a hole in your heart where that bathroom picture used to be. And I'm filling it right now. James, funny you bring that up. So as uh, the viewers, not the listeners of this podcast, but the viewers can see, there are no more pictures on the wall behind me. Everything has come down in Journey 5 studio. However, just this morning, maybe 10 minutes ago, I was standing, leaning on one foot, arms folded and head kind of cocked to the side, looking at your picture hanging over the toilet, thinking... <laughs> I would like this to be the last thing that gets removed from this office. <laughs> well, I I don't I don't know what to do with it though. Like uh, I don't want to take it home. We have enough of a curse already going on at the ranch. Obviously, I can't put it in my new office because I don't want to scare off people who are actually paying me real money. So, I don't know other than maybe to send it back to you. Other, I, I could ask Judy P for your address, but I know that's going to be met with a whole lot of resistance. So I, I don't know what to do with it, James. Well, can I can I offer you a real solution? Actually, two real solutions. Yeah. A better solution than the solution you'll probably go with. Uh, so oh. so first of all, the real solution is you put it in your bedroom. So that I am the last thing you see before you go to bed oh, at Jesus night, and the first thing God. you see when you wake up, so that you know that my smiling, beautiful, dare I say, angelic face is looking over Ooh. and protecting you from all that lies outside the walls of your house on the ranch. So that, that, that's option one. If you want to go with that, I'll stop. Mm -hmm. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. No, I mean, I would, James, but I, I don't have full power to put things in our house. Okay. Like, I have a beautiful oil painting of a Journey album cover that uh, Mrs. Steve has already nixed for our abode. So what what is option number two? Okay, this one you might actually go with. Here's what you do. You hang it mm-hmm. up in that uh, in that amazing big new garage of yours. It's got so much oh! square footage. It's got some posts yes. and stuff. And see, like other guys, you know, if they had a garage like that, there'd be a calendar. There'd be like six years out of date. And it would have like <laughs> 80s swimsuit models with like weird yeah. one-piece yeah. workout, you know, swimsuit stuff. You know what I'm talking about, and the giant hair. That, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, but I will take the place of that because let's be honest here. I'm the only beautiful person that you need in your life. You put me there, and I will watch uh, over all your uh, equipment that keeps breaking you and costing you. <laughs> money and that will and that will fill my heart with joy all right the garage i hadn't even thought of because it does get super cold in the winter and super hot in the summer and so making your poster as uncomfortable as possible would not actually make me unhappy and it would also it would also i I believe be the only picture out there so it would be it would be like the entire building was a church to me, like the Church of Breakwell, my own cathedral, the single lone image at the very end with light shining down from a small window above it. I mean, I maybe put a few candles underneath it. I mean, just just use your imagination, but clearly that is where I belong. I'll need a lock of your hair to build an appropriate (laughs) altar and or voodoo doll. I'm not sure which I would be most likely to construct. But uh, Mrs. Steve has built a workbench in the garage, and to hang Breakwell over the workbench would probably be sacrilegious on several levels. And so I'm in. I like it. Let me just think of where the best... I wish I had a toilet in the garage. (laughs) That would make this so much easier of a decision. But all right, you have given me inspiration, James. I've known you like 10 years. This is the first time ever. It's fabulous. I I do nothing but throw good ideas your way all day, every day. I mean, you <laughs> if you had even the slightest bit of ambition, you'd be a millionaire right now just by implementing mm. my ideas. But yet here we are continuing to make $0.0 week after week. <laughs> and loving it. Yes. I do sadly admit last night i got home about 7 30 p.m and i was thinking breakwell hasn't texted me yet oh for the love of god please let him have forgotten maybe maybe we can go a week without this and i was i'm not kidding i'm not exaggerating i had picked up my phone and i was going to text you about meeting this morning and as I picked up the phone, you texted me. It was probably about 8.30, your time last night, right? Maybe 8.45? It probably. I mean, I was sitting there. I was winding down for the night doing my 9 million side jobs. And I was just thinking, <laughs> what, what burdens do I have in my life tomorrow? I think my <laughs> schedule is just pretty normal. It should be mellow. And then I thought, no. No, there is a, a Steve-shaped cloud over my morning that must be dealt with. And then I sent the text. And then I bring my rain of sunshine to you every Tuesday morning before the crack of dawn. And here we are. It's fabulous. Rain of sunshine. The sunshine is raining down like fire from the sky. Yes. It is, I, I, you're mixing images yes. there, and I'm picturing like a Sodom and Gomorrah situation, just fire <laughs> raining down from above. And I, and I feel like that accurately encompasses my feelings right now. Ah, well, you know. I got a coyote this week, James. 
Wait, wait, what? You 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 have a coyote on the ranch or you shot a coyote? I shot a coyote. I love that in the past seven minutes you have not been able to work up a transition. Anything related to the coyotes, you just had to blurt it out of there. A completely random, murderous non sequitur. Well, <clears throat> I almost, there wasn't really film to, to text you over the weekend. And uh, I did, I posted on uh, my social media just a picture of Mrs. Steve going out with a shotgun and a four-wheeler. <laughs> Because I got it in the rear end, and it took off into the woods, and Mrs. Steve went to track it down, and if it was still alive, put it out of its misery. But she ended up not having enough to track, and she didn't want to go deep into the woods, because it gets pretty thick back there. So somewhere there is either a wounded, but I'm guessing a now-perished coyote that brought a very strong message home to the rest of the coyotes to get out of Rattlesnake Ranch. So what I'm hearing is you failed to kill a coyote that, as far as you can tell, it is every bit as alive as all the other coyotes that you have failed to kill. If one shows up with a limp in a couple months and a vendetta, then I'll know what's going on. But I was actually pretty proud that I got it at all. It was about 200 yards on a breezy day and the coyote was on the move. And uh, Mrs. Steve was watching through binoculars while I pulled the trigger and uh, she said, you got it. And then it made its way into the woods and she took off after it. I can't get up and down our terrain with my leg injured the way it is. So she went to get it and couldn't find it. And so I'm, I don't know what happened to it, but it ain't coming back. So first of all, you could not see that you hit the coyote. She told you that, that you hit the coyote and you just so happened to hit it in the same way that you would both have an equal limp. And then she went off to confirm this by herself without you and said she couldn't find it. It has simply disappeared with no evidence. This yeah. story is super believable, and she definitely wasn't just trying to not hurt your feelings. <laughs> I could get a little more graphic, James, but suffice it to say, I got it. So why are you limping? Did a coyote get you? I thought I went over... Oh, no, this happened after we recorded last week. <laughs> Now I got injured falling off a stage, James. <laughs> you you do not belong in front of an audience, and the gods have clearly shown that, casting you down. You know what's funny? So I texted my dad that because uh, I, I was talking to him about the coyote, and I said, I can't get around on uneven ground right now because of my leg. He said, what happened to your leg? And I said, I fell off a small riser. And he said... Do you remember in first grade when we were doing uh, the, the giving tree? I'm sure you're familiar with the story, but I played the old guy at the end and I came out and sat on the stump and my line was, my teeth are too weak to eat apples. But <laughs> apparently when we were live, I fell off the stage in front of a live audience and I have no memory of it, but I said, boy, life is kind of a big circle, isn't it? And he said, no, nah, it's more of a cluster F, but that's my dad for you, James. I, I love that your life is full of so many other embarrassing moments that what for anybody else would be like a defining embarrassing moment, like the alpha, you know, embarrassment that, that defines and limits you for the rest of your life. For you, it didn't even register because here you are falling off stage at the age of 82, shooting and missing coyotes, limping around your property, having your wife tell you comforting lies about the coyote that's still out there and plotting its revenge because you shot its general direction and spooked it a little. Oh, that's my new marriage therapy book, Comforting Lies. I got, 
Just tell me. Tell me I'm the best you've ever had. Tell me that's the biggest one you've ever seen. I don't, I don't care if it's true or not. Just tell me. So I'll tell you what this reminds me of. This reminds me of Vietnam when the war was not going well what? for the U.S. And they had they couldn't show that they were gaining territory or anything else. They had to go down to like, well, how many how many of the enemy did you kill? But they would never find actual bodies. They couldn't shoot people. People would just make it up. Well, there was some blood on a leaf. I mean, it was like five enemy soldiers, ten, a hundred enemy soldiers. So here you are with this elaborate story that you killed the coyote. There is no body to be found. But plus me, trust me, you've got some pretty graphic details in the after action report to reassure your captain that you did in fact get a kill that nobody can prove wow i didn't even lay down the graphic details because just saying i had graphic details i thought would be ominous enough that you wouldn't ask and just assume oh yeah he shot a coyote but i really did i really shot a coyote you know what the biggest lies have the most specific details so i i am sure you have an entire horror story about the things you did to this coyote that was somehow still able to run away faster than your wife could drive on a four-wheeler it outran a four-wheeler that's how injured it was oh james she had to go a good third of a mile to get to the woods like, uh, it was a long trip. And she had to go get the four-wheeler and her gun and load it and take off. Like, she wasn't ready to go at a moment's notice. I think she assumed I would just take the coyote down with a perfect shot. But it wasn't an easy shot to make. I don't think any shot is easy for you. That coyote could have been standing in front of you, <laughs> sitting in front of you, holding out his paw to shake your hand, and it would not have been an easy shot for you. I think we can agree on that. Um, and I just, I'm going to resort to the, the, you know, the the moral or the 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 theme of any good conspiracy. Just show me the body. If there's no body, there's no kill. That's that's the bottom line. You know, it's funny. So I think I told this a few weeks ago when this coyote thing started. My son wants to mount the coyote if I ever get one. And uh, I did have a moment when I saw that I had hit it. I thought, am I going to have to field dress a coyote or can you take a full coyote body to the taxidermist and just kind of drop it off as is? I don't know how all this works, James. I've never had an animal mounted before. But that is one of the random thoughts going through my head. Well, I wouldn't worry about it. I definitely wouldn't do any research because it's never going to happen. I think that you basically are in a game preserve. You are Elmer Fudd out there, and I think you are going to have exactly as many kills as him at the end of your career. Trust me, Bugs Bunny is perfectly fine, and so is that coyote. Man, and just to further emphasize your point, we came home. Mrs. Steve, I think I said, she's uh, helping with sound effects for the play. So she goes to rehearsal with me. And we come home after dark. And so Thursday we came home and uh, something had been knocking one of the hummingbird feeders because there was like sugar water all over the porch. And in the daylight the next morning I looked and there were like deep hoof prints in the dirt in front of our porch. One of the deers, probably one of the boys, because they're a little heavier, was up on his hind legs trying to drink out of the hummingbird feeder. Like eight feet from our back door. This is the kind of respect that I get from nature, James. So to be clear, when you weren't harassing nature and the coyotes were allowed to do their job, the deer stared away from the house. But then you chased it away by shooting in its general direction and suddenly the deer are causing damage. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? I tell you, I, 
I understand. I didn't want to have to shoot a coyote. Like everything is in balance, but these things are getting a little too emboldened. And now apparently there's a deer that's going to have to get uh, a strong message sent to it. I don't know which one it is. They all pointed at each other when I asked who was banging on the hummingbird feeder. Let me let me just say this. You are you are not an apex predator. You don't have what it takes to sit at the top of this food chain, okay? To be be on top of that pyramid. It comes with responsibilities and you you don't, you don't have it. You're just out there firing off rounds willy-nilly causing chaos. I mean, you've been you fired what? Like eight bullets now and already the entire ecosystem is disrupted and you haven't even killed anything yet. Like what's going to happen if by accident you ever actually, you know, nail something, man? It just just Leave it be. Just go inside your house, close your door, or better yet, go hang out at the garage and look at me. Oh, my! well, your picture's not there yet. I would have to hang out in my bathroom to look at you right now. Fair enough. I Which mean, I do. Those are both, those are both but... great places to hang out, especially during the workday. Mm. But anyway, that's... Uh... <laughs> That's an update on the ranch. What I, We haven't heard about your life in weeks, James, because there's been so much going on on the ranch, and we're starting to get into the rut right now. So there's a lot of deer banging going on, or at least boys attempting to have a lot of deer banging. We just saw a, a doe go sprinting across the field with a buck in hot pursuit, and I thought maybe they're just playing a spirited game of tag. I don't know if he ever caught her, but that's what's happening for the next month or so. So we've got to kind of monitor Caligula and make sure nobody gets hurt. Man, I uh, I don't know even know if you need to know about my life because I uh, I write these big long newsletters where there's more words than actual things that happen to me, and everybody <laughs> who's anybody is already subscribed to that newsletter, so I think I'm covered. Uh, I did get my uh, the, that book that I wrote uh, most of I, I wrote most of it in a month or two, and uh, yeah. I finally got the edits back, and uh, you know I'd hoped that it was uh, taking so long to edit because they just wanted to write a letter telling me how perfect I was, uh, but that was. <laughs> not the case and so it oh, seems no. there will be there will be some work in my future as i go through it's uh i was going to send out this tweet letter later but you know i just I, it'll do terrible because there's no other writers to relate to me on there nobody's left on twitter but it's just it's wild writing a fiction book because you spend you spend a year imagining things that never happened and then you send yeah. them off to an editor and three months later they reply back hey you imagined wrong. And it's like, wait, wait this, this stuff didn't even happen, but I, it is. I played make-believe incorrectly. There are plot holes. There are issues. There are characters you're supposed to like that people hate. There are things people hate that you're supposed to hate that they like. It just, you know, the, much like your ranch, the book is out of balance. <laughs> and I need to go out with my own gun to fire ineffectively and see if I can't randomly scare things back into order. You know what's amazing to me is how those editors are able to hold all of your story and characters well enough to know that there are plot holes and that there are character tweaks that need to be done. Like, uh, I, I don't have that capability. I'll know if I like something or not like something. I'll know if something is grammatically not correct and needs to get reworded. But these, um, like these story arc kind of comments, that does impress me. 
Yeah, and this one's harder because, you know, there's a book before it, a book that we can't change, like it's out there in print. So whatever <laughs> yeah. whatever mistakes were made there, like it's just it's just ingrained forever and we just have to build on this shaky foundation. So so yeah, that and and it's one of those things like so now there, I, I, up until now, there was exactly one person on the face of the earth who had read this man's manuscript, and now there are two. So I tend uh -huh. to give a lot of weight to that other person because they're like 50% of the entire audience of this book. So maybe, maybe their <laughs> opinion's not right. Maybe if you had 100 people read it, you know, they, 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 it would balance out differently. But right now, I'm, I'm giving that feedback a lot of weight because even it's just kind of, you know, I look at the book like I look at myself, like I see... I see the flaws, but at the same time, like, you're not even sure where to get started. Like, it just, I made this book out of nothing. Like, there was nothing there, and now there's 80,000 words. And, like, you could you could change anything in any direction. Yeah. So I just I just left it as is. It's like, there's a starting point. There's an ending point. Things happen. It's, this is the story. Okay, what happens now? And then, I mean, maybe if somebody else read it, they would have picked out an entirely different slate of things that were wrong. It would be changed in a different direction. But right now, they have come through and said, these specific things, this massive, massive pile of specific things, these are the things that are wrong. Oh. And now those are the only things that I can see. And so there I, so I, first of all, I got the email. And, uh, the, the, you know, reading between the lines, you know, they starts off. Oh, yeah, hey, love the book. And then you get to the meat of it. You realize it's that poop sandwich where they start with something nice. Then they deliver the real message and they end with another compliment. And uh, the, the, the note was, you know, I, I like the book overall. I feel it's real strong. Don't be intimidated that there's an 18-page letter about things that are wrong. I mean, the 18 pages, Steve, 18 pages. And there were there were spaces for paragraph breaks. There were there were headings. So, I mean, maybe maybe more like 16 pages. But holy cow. Oh, oh and no. And some of the stuff is easy. I mean, just, I don't know. I write, writing is all smoke and mirrors. It's like this character doesn't really have much of a personality. Well, okay, they don't have much of a personality, but I mean, there's only, there's, there's 40 chapters and there's like 14 or 15 characters. Like you really, you really can't give a fictional person yeah, that yeah. much of a personality. You give them the illusion of a personality. <laughs> you go in there and you insert a paragraph where they suddenly have hopes and dreams. They're like, oh, now they have, now this cardboard cutout <laughs> is a cardboard cutout with a backstory. So you're just, you, you're faking it. So the things like that are easy to fix. But then there's like larger thematic problems. I, I mean, I, I had to go through and most of the things can be fixed by adding. That's, that's the easiest thing. It's like, okay, you don't like this. Yeah. I can plop some extra paragraphs down. I mean, I'm, yeah. I am a fountain of words. If you haven't noticed, you asked me a question nine oh, minutes ago what? and I haven't stopped talking. If I can, oh, you can fix this problem by just adding four chapters at the start. I can do that. But then if there's like, you know, there are other problems like I don't really like how, you know, the, the things, things that are structural all the way through, there's, there's not that many. So hopefully, Hopefully I can just throw words at this problem, just throw so many words, just a massive barrage of words, and then, and yeah. then all will be right with the world. So that's where I'm at right now, Steve. I am, I am just thinking of, of the absolute verbal barrage that I am going to unleash into the literary world that will make everyone <laughs> regret the day they sent me that letter. Wow. I know... Uh... I don't know if you told this on air or not, but one of your books, I don't, I think it was your last fiction book. Uh, they, they basically wrote back and said, uh, yeah, you spelled chapter five wrong. Otherwise everything's perfect. Oh, and, uh, okay. So yeah, that was, yeah. and I, I meant to tell this editor that cause I don't think she knows. So this, this book has changed editors like five times. Like, so like the person who like loved the book, 
uh, and bought it for the publishing house. They were there, and then they immediately left, and then it went to somebody who had no connection to the book whatsoever. And they went through and they edited it, and they sent like it was it was ninety thousand words, and they sent me back four sentences of edits. Like I think you've used this joke too many times. It, maybe it was a punctuation question, but the fourth the fourth note was I don't really like or I don't really care about any of these characters, which is a pretty big edit. Like well, okay. Uh, so anyway, based on that one sentence, I went back and I added 10,000 more words because, I mean, that's the point. It basically at that Ooh. point, like, hey, the story's good, but you just got to add some stakes for these characters. So I added some other filler chapters that were pretty fun. They actually ended up being some of my favorite chapters in the book because by then, like, nice. all the actual structural stuff that needed to be there was there. And I just had the sandbox to play in. So it's like, all right, let's just show these characters doing something fun and stupid and you can throw them in. So that was that was fine. And so to go from four sentences of edits to 18 pages of overall <laughs> thematic edits. I mean, that's, that, that, that is a change and, uh, I'm going to deal with it. And, uh, I, I, I had a little bit of mourning. I had a moment of panic and then I, I slept on it and I woke up and I started writing. I've, I've got solutions, Steve. I've got answers. Those solutions will probably cause more problems and those problems will cause more problems. But right now I'm on step one, cause new problems and I am rearing to go. Does just a little bit of you get pissed on some of the feedback that you get? I really thought it would. Like, honestly, I was, I, I felt a flash of anger when I saw that there were 18 pages of notes. Like, that was, that, that's not even the line by line stuff. This is like a separate 18 page document. And, like, at that point, I was like, surely, like, I was, I was proud of this book. I like this book. It can't be that bad. Yeah. But then, then I read, and for 18 pages, I just agreed with everything the editor wrote. And oh. that made me sad. <laughs> just, but I don't know. It's and maybe, maybe, it's just my low self-esteem coming through because it's like really easy so you ever get it's like it's very easy to poke holes in something like i've i've done it too you watch star wars and like here's here's what's dumb about this this and this and this and that it is so easy to go through i mean because you create a fictional world with fictional technology i mean you're basically just making up magic and it's very easy to poke holes in that then somebody else comes and does it to you and it's like oh well that didn't feel so good but i can't <laughs> deny your points so let's get back there I'd rather deal with these flaws now than after it's out there in the world and I can't change anything. Wow. Well, I got to get us out of here, James. We're going to print this, put it in the can, and not be able to change anything that we said, provided you don't lose the file in the <laughs> aftermath. But you get to work on those 18 pages, and we'll see next week under the YouTube video what kind of comments, edits, additions, and deletions people make for us to consider when you tune in to this episode of Wrong and Wronger, and until we meet again, until we come face to phone and you hear the harrowing tales of our lives, this is Steve, Dr. Steve Olivas for James the Exploding Unicorn Breakwell saying thanks for watching, thanks for listening, thanks for leaving feedback, everyone whose feedback I didn't read this week because I didn't have time, and remember, as always, two wrongs can make a right. <laughs>